going to share a little bit more about 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you were with us on Wednesday morning, I spoke a little bit about 1 Samuel 30, but I want to um, continue a little bit more, go a little bit deeper. My message today is those of you who are weary in battle, and I want to begin from verse 1. And if we can just stand for the reading of the word. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued. He and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I felt sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherot. Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they had also made 
to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us? For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. And I'll finish there. You may be seated. I just want to uh, welcome you if you're new. Ross is my name if we have not met. And... uh, we're very pleased to have you here. Now, uh, Martin Taylor, he shared at the beginning that our walk is one that is a spiritual walk. It is a, a battle. And that's so true that actually our life is a spiritual battle. And that passage I read out is, is basically a reflection of our life. It's a reflection of our Christian walk. And in our walk, we're going to have battles. We're going to have trials, we're going to have temptations, because we have an enemy that wants to, and we know this well, wants to kill, uh, steal, and destroy. And this passage I read out, the focus is usually on King David. But you see, he was with uh, 600 men. And uh, initially, in 1 Samuel 22, you see actually that the men that came with him initially, the 400, they were men who were distressed. They were men, it says, everyone who has debt, who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him, so he became captain over them. And there was about 400 men with him. So by this stage now, he's got 600 men. So it's a picture of the church. That's why we can't actually do church on our own. We need actually spiritual headship and leadership. And David's come back to Ziklag. He's found everything burned to the ground. That which could be burned was burned to the ground. Everything else, the wives, the children, all of that was taken. And by the mercy of God, they weren't killed. And it says that these men, 600 of them, were so grieved and they had cried so more that they couldn't cry anymore and for some of you today maybe that rings true in your life that actually you're going through a battle right now and you're actually so weary you're discouraged you feel like you're downtrodden and you're struggling right now in this walk because it is a spiritual battle but I want to encourage you as you look through and what I'm going to speak about that actually God's going to lift you up. That not in your own strength can you lift yourself up, but it's only through God's strength that you shall be lifted up. Because these men, they were so grieved. David was grieved also. He was distressed, not only because of what happened, but it says that these men, these 600 men, they now wanted to look to pass the blame and put it towards David. 
So it says that they wanted to stone him. And whatever, you ha- whatever happens to you in life, we're all going to face maybe struggles. We're going to face loss. We're going to face heartache, trouble. There's going to be pain. Whatever we are faced and what are, whatever we experience in life, those emotions, they're neither right nor wrong, but it's what you do about it is what really matters. That's what counts. Because these, there was two parts. There was the men who, who wept. That's, that's fine. That's fair. They've just lost everything. But then there was David. So they decided to do nothing. But David, and I want to be practical here, said that he strengthened himself in the Lord. Because God, he's the first one we go to when there is trouble. He's the God of heaven and earth. He's the one who sees all. He's the one who sees around corners. And to actually come to God first, that's where you're going to get your divine viewpoint from. That's where you're going to get your strength. Because it says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. In the King James, it says he encouraged himself. So you can say one of the same thing, encourage and strength. How did he do that? Firstly, he waited. He waited. In Psalm 27, I'll read it out. In verse 13, it says, this is a Psalm of David. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. And then he says it again. Wait, I say on the Lord for an emphasis. And you might say, well, that's good for David. He knew God closely. He knew God intimately. He knew his voice. He knew the goodness of the Lord, it says, in the land of the living. But I want to say to you, if you're sitting here today, you also, whether you know it or not, you know the goodness of God because it is only by the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Repentance is a gift. And repentance is something that God grants you before you turn to him and receive him. You don't do it in your own intellect or your own um, you know, cleverness. It's through God and that, and that is a gift. So you have actually, if you're sitting here today, you know the goodness of God. And he waited on the Lord. He waited to hear what to, God was going to do. Because God said, go. He had the word in that moment. He had the word, he had the Rima word, God's divine viewpoint above his circumstances. He knew exactly what to do. He said, go and you'll surely recover all. The other thing he did was declared God's promises. So that's another way that we actually strengthen ourselves in the Lord. When we, when we strengthen ourselves or we, or we encourage ourselves, we're, we're putting courage into our heart. What we're doing is also speaking and declaring the promises of God over your circumstances. Psalm 16 verse 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You're declaring the word over your circumstances. Also in, in Psalm 73, 25 to 26, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
That's a word you declare over your life. Where do we go, church, when the world is full of darkness? Where, where can we go and where can we turn to for answers? It has to come by and through the Lord. And that's what David did. He came and encouraged himself. And from that point, they had the word and they went. That was the word, go and recover all. So they pursued this enemy. And it says they came to this brook, Basor. And it says there that there was the 600 men still with them. And what happened was there was 400 plus David that decided to go. But there was 200 that stayed behind. It says these 200 were so weary that they couldn't go on. So in other words, they were so exhausted from what had happened, what had transpired, that they just couldn't go on. And for us today, because we are in a fight, like I said, because we are in a battle, there are days and there are seasons in our life where everything is going wrong. We don't know which way is up. We are feeling like we have no hope. We feel like we are so discouraged. We don't know what to do. But like I said, what David did, he had the word, he got that divine viewpoint, and he strengthened himself. These men, yet... They were at the brook, these 200 men who were too weary to go forward. And you can imagine, for those 400 that were just passing them by, here's these 200 men, and they're standing there. And everyone else is simply passing them by. And I feel that's a picture for us today, where some of you feel like I'm failing. Everyone around me? Is just passing me by. Everyone's growing. Everyone's maturing. Their life looks perfect. Lord, what about me? What about my life? What do you think about me? What are you doing in my life? Lord, I see what I have right now and it's ashes. And I don't even have anything to go and fight the battle. I've already been plundered, everything's been taken from me, and now I, can't, I don't have anything to even fight. What about me, Lord? What about me? You see, in the moment, for us, in that moment, those 200 men, there was a great temptation to quit. There was a great temptation to quit. They feel like they're Losing the fight. You come in here each week and you'll hear an anointed word preached and it's powerful and it can be convicting and challenging and we want that and that's good. But you can feel like, man, I, I haven't even caught up from last week. And there's another word and I just feel like I can't, I can't keep moving like this. I can't, I got nothing, Lord. I need help. I need, I need your help. But just remember, it's the grace of God. It's the power of His Holy Spirit that actually works through us, that gives us the ability. So you don't actually have to worry about doing or striving. You just have to worry about releasing and yielding. Because there's these men, and they seem to 
want to quit, want to give up. This walk's too hard. What's the point in trying? Why try? Why try? What am I doing, Lord? But you know what? They, and I've seen it in, in many lives that have come, they've come to church, they've left church, and there's many reasons people leave church, but one of them is because they get so discouraged that I'm not meeting your expectations, Lord. I'm not walking the way you want me to. I can't meet the holiness that you're calling me to. And they're trying to do it in their own strength. And they end up just turning back to Egypt. And what I mean by turning back to Egypt, when the Israelites went into the promised land, spied it out, came back out, gave the bad report... They said, it's all too hard. I can't do it. And they said, raise us up a leader. We're going back to Egypt. We're going back. The very place that God rescued them from, the very place of bondage that they were in, that they wanted to be so um, desperately delivered from, where God mercifully granted them that, they wanted to go back to that place. And so I want to encourage you, if that is you today, you're actually thinking, I want to go back to Egypt where it was comfortable, it was familiar, and I didn't feel so much guilt and condemnation. If that is you, I want to tell you that God sees you. God has not forgotten you. God has not passed you by. God has not passed you by. He sees you. He sees you in that place, wherever you're at today. You may be discouraged. You may, like I said, be downtrodden. But you know what? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He is the glory the Lord is, and He is the lifter of your head. And that is the declaration. If you've received Christ sitting here today, if that is you, you are the righteousness of Christ. You have been declared righteous. That's how God sees you. He doesn't see and doesn't think the condemnation you think towards yourself. He doesn't think or put the guilt that you feel towards yourself or the shame. He sees Christ in you. He sees the righteousness of Christ in you. So be encouraged because what happened is these men, actually I want to read and I'll read it out, Isaiah 42, verse 3. This is something I want to encourage you with because this is what God says in Isaiah 42, verse 3. He says, a, this is what Jesus was going to do when he came. He's come, and this is for you. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. A bruised reed, that's like a little tender plant. He says, that bruised reed... That word bruised actually also means discouraged. He said he will not break. So as tender as it is, as maybe hopeless as the situation looks, or as hopeless as you feel you are or not, he picks that thing up. That's the gentleness of Jesus. That is the love of Christ. He picks that up and he speaks life to it. 
He makes it new. And that's what he's going to do for you today. He's going to make you new. He's going to strengthen you. He said, I will not put out a smoking flax. And that is just like a fireplace. If you get something that is dry, like a dry piece of timber, and it's just smoking, there's no fire in it. He takes that. Because we can feel like we're a smoking flax. We're, just, we're almost out. That, it's, there's a little bit of ash, a little bit of smoke, but it's basically gone. Jesus takes that and he breathes on it. He blows the very life of the Holy Spirit onto that thing and revives you. That's what he does for you. That is, that's what he does for everyone. There is no conditions to that because that is the love of Christ. That is the gentleness of Christ. He doesn't look at you if you are feeling like a bruised reed and go, oh, you've had it too bad. You had your chance. You failed. Move on. I'll go see someone else. He doesn't look at that smoking flax and just walk by. No, he doesn't. He just picks it up and he sees you. He sees where you're at. He sees the hurt. He sees the brokenness. He sees that and he wants to encourage and he wants to strengthen that and he wants to pour out mercy and grace over your lives in Jesus' name. See, his strength, remember, it's made perfect in your weakness. His strength is made perfect. Perfect in that place of weakness. Now, these 200 men who stayed behind, they are just as important as the 400 men that went to battle. I want to show you why. They're, they're no less. They're exactly entitled to everything that Christ gives us. They're no less a person because they didn't go to the battle and win back the, the goods and the spoil and the wives and the livestock. In that passage I read out, I want to read to you again verse 21 and 24. 21 to 24. It says, Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But listen to this. But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So there's some of us who are called to different things. We're all called to do something differently. And we are all, whatever God does here or overseas as part of Elam, you are all part of... Of that, you all have part of the reward, and you all have a part to play. See, these two hundred men, or the four hundred, didn't want to give him any spoil, 
But not only was everything like God promised was restored, not only was everything restored, but they had extra spoil. But David said, so think about that for a moment. Everything that was stolen from the enemy was given back. So God is a God that restores where peace has been stolen, where joy has been stolen, healing's been stolen, when relationships have been broken and stolen, where strength and encouragement has been stolen. God is the one who restores all of that to you. He's the one who can do it, and he's the one who will do it, and that is for you today. They received part of the spoil, and their responsibility these 200 men, was to look after the supplies. That was their job. But their job was no less important as David and the others who went to battle. So you might be in a ministry where the crash downstairs, if you're in there, you're not up here. And in, in this, essentially, you feel like you're, you might be missing out. Or the kids' church, you might be on the roster there. But whatever God does up here... You're actually entitled to what's happening. You're actually a part of it. Because the one who is responsible for looking after the supplies, that's like someone who is in the ministry of support. So, you know, those things wouldn't be able to take place. This, the preaching and worship wouldn't be able to take place if those ministries weren't available. The sound desk, for instance, that they're just as entitled to what God does here in this place than the one who's maybe preaching. Or if we take a small church, uh, small people, um, small group of people overseas and minister to thousands, souls are one, you're just in, as entitled to the rewards because some go, there's a small team that will go, some pray back here, and some pay. So you're all actually entitled to what God has done. You're entitled to the rewards and you're entitled to the blessing that God has released in that. It might be souls. It could be um, anything that God wants to bless and touch. You're actually a part of it. It could be even... Some things like the, the cleaning roster or the tea and coffee. Because, you know, you and I, we're, we're all part, there's not two bodies, there's one body. And we are all entitled to what God is doing. And it might be through one person, but if you're in a ministry that supports that, then you're just entitled just as much as to what the one, maybe the pastor, the preacher does. You're, you're entitled to that. So don't be discouraged that you feel that you're insignificant, that what you do is insignificant, because it's not. As you can see here, those 200 men who didn't go in the battle, they not only received back, which is a picture of intercession, but they received part of the extra spoil that David had won back. So not only will you be restored, everything that has been taken, but you'll receive more. You'll receive the blessing and the favor. And the same, the same thing is similar in Matthew 10, 41. It says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. 
And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So whatever God's doing in this church, it's not just for some. It's for each and every one of you. So you can actually be encouraged that God knows and he sees every act that you are doing. Those ones where no one else sees, he knows. And that will be rewarded because it's all part of of the same work it is the it is the kingdom of heaven there's no there's there's no different kingdoms of heaven it's one kingdom of heaven it is the it is the one goal goal it is the one thing that we are all here to build so be encouraged that you are a part of that because we share in the reward of god's servants by supporting them in their work like I said, God sees every work. So I want to close by just saying you may feel like you've come to a place and you are like that bruised reed. Jesus said you won't be completely broken. Maybe you're like that smoking flax. He said, I won't extinguish you. But yet he is going to actually breathe fresh life. He wants to do that today. He wants to breathe fresh courage. He wants to breathe fresh hope. He wants to breathe fresh strength. And it is all the work of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is him who wants to impart fresh life. And he wants to quicken that to you and I today. Because I know there's a se- that we're in a season where there are some... And you may feel crushed. You may feel crushed. You're looking around and you feel like, God, where, where is my blessing? God, do you see me? Do you see the circumstances I'm in? I want to tell you, yes, he does. He sees everything you're going through. He saw it with Hagar. She had the revelation that God sees because no one else did, but God does. God sees where you're at. And you know, you may feel like, well, I've... I just feel like I, I'm not a failure, but I, I feel like I, I'm failing. I feel like I'm failing in this walk. I feel like I'm failing as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a father. But you know, like I said before, it is only by the grace of God that he'll actually minister life to you. He will impart fresh grace to you that you will move on. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to walk this walk you'll be able to battle you will be able to walk all that every way that God's called you to so you might feel like you're a Peter you might feel like you're a Peter today but Jesus restored Peter no questions asked he restored him and uh, as we worship I want to I want to make an altar call here for those that feel discouraged. Those that feel weary in the battle. You're struggling. There's things in your life that you can't comprehend. God knows. 
God sees, and he wants to he wants to work something. He wants to renew you. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore those relationships that are broken. He wants to restore the peace and the joy and the strength and the courage that the enemy has stolen. So if that is you, you just come forward as we begin to worship and someone's going to pray for you. Lord, I want to lift up right now this time with you. And Lord, I bless you that you see every need. You see every person who is hurt. You see every person who is crushed. And I thank you in your great mercy, in your great love, Lord, that you will not break that bruised reed and you will not extinguish that flax that is almost out. Father God, I want to thank you for your mercy today. And I'm asking right now that you would release it to your people. I'm asking, Lord, that you would remember right now every one of your people who are struggling, Lord, as your people come forward, I'm asking, Lord, that you would do a mighty work of deliverance, Lord. You would come and you would breathe fresh hope. You would come and breathe life. Lord, you would come and do what only you can do. Father God, I'm asking right now that, Lord, as we worship, Lord, that you would so dwell in our midst, Lord. Your presence, Lord, would melt away, Lord, every mountain that we are facing, Lord, and you would come with such power and with such gentleness and with such meekness and know, Lord, that today, Lord, for the people is the day of salvation, Lord. You, you said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that just doesn't mean salvation. That means saved from every affliction, every oppression, every trial, every struggle. So, Father, I want to commit right now this worship. I want to commit the rest of the service to you, Lord. And I'm asking you would have your way mightily and powerfully. And I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.